All right, good morning. It is time to get going. Welcome to Denton North. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the people here. Um, we're in the middle of a, a series about apprenticeship to Jesus. We're going to be talking about a piece of the Lord's Prayer today. So I will pray real quick and then we'll get started. Lord, just thank you for this community and the way that you are leading us closer to you and to grow in you. I pray that you would move me out of the way this morning and that you would speak to us about receiving your daily bread and, yeah, what you have for us. Amen. All right, so just first a reminder that we're in this series about apprenticeship to Jesus, and um, it's good to remember why, why we're using this word apprentice, apprenticeship, you know, why are we here? We're trying to emphasize the long-term, life-transforming pieces of following Jesus. Um, we have these three kind of things we talk about, which is being with Jesus, doing what Jesus does, and becoming like Jesus, these three facets of apprenticeship to Jesus. And um, that's what we're talking about in our small groups, and it will be part of our sermon series until Josh and Leslie decide otherwise, so who knows how long that will be. Um, right now, we're in the middle of studying through the Lord's Prayer, um, which is how Jesus taught us to pray, so it's an essential part of apprenticing to Jesus, learning to pray this way, and learning what he meant by the different pieces of this prayer. So I think we're going to say it together. I think John has a slide for us. So if you guys want to like, let's all stand up, and together we will say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right, you guys can sit down, or stand up, whatever you want to do, you know. <laughs> if you want to stand the whole time, that's great, in solidarity with me as I stand up here. All right, so I think two weeks ago, Josh talked about the beginning of this prayer, um, and last week, Leslie talked about the second section. So today, we'll be talking about um, give us today our daily bread. So I like bread. Um, you know, are we talking about like sourdough here, maybe whole grain or something from Ravelin? Like, what is Jesus talking about exactly? I'm a big fan of bread in general, so I'd like to know what kind he's talking about. But I don't think he's talking about that kind of bread. Jesus talks about bread a few different times, um, and we're going to read over some of those and kind of see what that can tell us maybe about what he's saying here. So in Matthew 4, um, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In John 6, after Jesus had just literally multiplied bread from a, for a crowd, then he left, then they came and found him, probably for more bread, um, he had this to say. He said, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do that we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, truly I tell you, 
Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who ever comes to me will be hungry, and no one who believes in me will be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. And then again at the Last Supper, we see that um, Jesus broke bread, gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. So maybe when Jesus talks about bread, he doesn't mean the bread I get from Walmart. He means like other things, like bigger, grander things. Jesus says, the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, and I am the bread of life. So when I pray, give us today our daily bread, what I'm saying is, may Jesus, the bread of life, provide for me today. May he provide the stuff of life for me. Not may he um, deliver a loaf of bread, you know, to my front door every day, but every day can I be dependent on him for the stuff that I need. So this prayer is one of dependence on God to give us what we need to make it through the day in um, a variety of different ways. So for some of us, that may literally mean daily bread or food. And for others, it mean, may mean other like emotional, relational needs, or it may mean that we need to look around and see that while our needs are being met, we don't acknowledge that God is the one meeting those needs. And we need to rightly see that he is the one providing for our needs, even if they're already being met. So if we look back at the Lord's Prayer as a whole, we can see that this theme of dependence on God is kind of being built up as it goes. In the first line, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're acknowledging that God, the Father, the Holy One, he is above all in heaven. And then uh, in the second line, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we're asking God to do what only he can do, which is to take his kingdom and his will and make it a part of our reality here and now. In give us this day our daily bread, we are depending on him to provide this stuff of life for us. Um, when we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, we are depending on God to forgive our sins. And lastly, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, we, are, we are depending on God to deliver us from evil and move us into a healthy place. So this, this message of like dependence and asking and receiving, um, this should be a very hopeful message for us. After all, why would Jesus teach us to pray this way if we couldn't expect God the Father to take care of us? But if you're anything like me, uh, maybe you read this and you don't necessarily feel a lot of hope because you've already like dispersed your hope onto other things. Um, you're already looking to other people, other things to satisfy your needs. So this is like, it's cool, it's like a nice saying, but when I read this, do I really like feel this deep hope that like, yes, God is providing for me? Or do I look back at everything else in my life and I'm like, yeah, I've got, I've got that figured out. I'm like a pretty like independent, self-sufficient person. So maybe I don't need this kind of hope in my life. You know, when we look at Jesus and how he interacted with people, um, often when he was delivering hope, it was to people who needed hope. And when he encountered people like me, honestly, it was much more of like a rebuke or a harsh word or maybe a really confusing story with like a little punch hidden in the middle that would illuminate the reality that I don't actually have everything together and I don't actually see how my needs are being met. So if we're going to receive the hope contained in this piece of the Lord's Prayer, if we're going to receive the hopeful expectations that really this whole prayer is built on, then um, we have to wrestle with our own ideas of hope and our own sources of hope. The Lord's Prayer, it doesn't have much to offer any part of our lives that we think we have figured out 
or any areas where we put our hope in anything other than the Lord. In um, Mark, wait. yeah, in Mark 7, um, nope, not going to read that. <laughs> so there, there's a story of a man who comes to Jesus and wants his son to be healed. And um, he's like, you know, if you can, if you can heal, heal him, will you do it? And Jesus is like, if I can, like, basically, what do you, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you think I can't? All things are possible for those who believe. And um, this guy, in like a very authentic response, probably more than most of us can say, it's like, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And I think that probably for a lot of us is the posture we need as we approach this part of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, help us in our unbelief as we, we maybe don't believe that you can or will or do provide for us, but we want to believe that you do, and we want to see with open eyes the way you're working around us. So I would encourage you to, to take on that posture of admitting your unbelief while asking for the ability to believe at the same time. So we are going to um, break down this line a little bit into two halves, give us this day, and then our daily bread. And most of the time is going to be spent kind of digging into give us this day and kind of looking at like what happens in our day-to-day lives and kind of the structural or systemic ways that we, we look for hope yeah. or look for our needs to be provided. And then um, our daily bread will dig just a little bit into what are the different um, areas of needs in our life. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time together in prayer, kind of reflecting and listening to God and allowing him to speak into us and to reveal different ways that we can depend on him more. So give us this day, the first half of um, this line. So how does God provide daily? Um, What does this even look like? We're going to look at, um, I call it, providing directly and providing through creation. So first we're going to go kind of back into our history. So in Exodus, we have this really cool story of the Israelites being enslaved by Egypt and then God leading them out. And uh, it's a lot of like drama, intrigue. You know, if you're running out of things to watch in Netflix, it's a great thing to read instead if you need some extra drama in your life. But... (laughs) In this story, we can see repeatedly over and over again God providing for his people in different ways, and then his people struggling with that in the same way that I think we do. We see this pattern of God really trying to provide and people struggling to see that, and those people are like our spiritual ancestors, so we basically fall into the same pattern. So we need to look back and see what happened there. How do we fall into that story, and what can that teach us about where we're at now, and what do we do? So in Exodus 13, we see that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So this is after the Israelites have been delivered from Egypt. They're like in the desert, and God is giving them literal pillars of clouds and fire. Like who could deny that God is at work here? But still, they struggled to see that this was God or to trust him enough to continue to follow him and not turn away. And then in um, Exodus 16, God tells the people as they're grumbling about food that I will will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. So there's this manna that's being provided each day. So they have literal pillars of fire, um, pillars of clouds, and manna being provided every day as they're in the desert. This is God providing directly for their daily needs and their daily guidance. So we obviously are not in the desert. We're not wandering around. Um, we don't have these exact things. But I think in similar ways, God provides in very real ways for us day to day if we can see them. But we, 
we'll have to do the same work the Israelites did of remembering what God is doing and remembering to associate God with those things and to give him credit for that. In John 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that he gives to us. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And then a little earlier in John, Jesus is telling us how we ought to be treating each other and um, what that should look like to the greater world. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So in these two things, I see really clearly the structure that God is giving us. Internally, he gives us the Holy Spirit that's supposed to lead us in all truth and guide us every day. That is like the Spirit of Jesus inside of us that Jesus said would be better than him sitting next to me every day telling me what to do. So according to Jesus, this is like way better, way better source of guidance and comfort and peace than even he would be in his physical form. And then in a community full of people that should be full of this spirit, we are told to love one another and that our love should be so great that it will signal to people that are watching that we are his disciples. So we're not only given internally a spirit that will guide us, we are told explicitly to take care of one another in a way that should be so obvious that anyone who sees it knows that we're following Jesus. I can't read this and not see that Jesus is setting up internal and external structures to provide for our spiritual and relational and physical needs in the ways that he is driving us and growing us as people and teaching us to relate to one another. And I I suspect that like the Israelites, oftentimes the reason why we cannot see it is we associate what's happening with other things or we just can't see God at work in it because we don't believe or we do not remember that God is telling us to do these things. When we see it, we don't believe it's coming from him. So in a more like indirect way, I think God provides for our needs through creation um, I, was, I can't just read all Genesis 1 and 2, that would take a while, but if you have time, I recommend reading them and seeing how involved God is in the creation of the world and everything that's around us. I'll read just a short piece, Genesis 1, 29 through 30. God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God talks more about the work that he gives man to do and that um, he, he gives us this command to take dominion over the earth, to be fruitful and multiply. But it's all within the context of a world that was solely created by God. So everything that exists in our world was made by God. So everything we receive from this world is part of what God has created, therefore is something that God is giving us. So in this this indirect, not really indirect, it is a direct way, but way that we often don't see, um, everything we have, everything we get, everything we own is a part of God's creation and a gift that he didn't have to create that way, but did choose to create that way to give to us. So we have to, to really open our eyes to see you know, what God is building, what God has built around us to provide for us. So if we have all these things in place, like why would, we, why would it be hard to see what God is providing for us? Um, why would this be difficult? And I think there's two main reasons that I've kind of like hinted out a little bit. Um, The first one is that we turn to other 
God's to satisfy us. So in, Paul, in, in Romans, Paul tells us about people that have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. That's what happens effectively when we take things that aren't God and expect them to provide our daily food or provide our daily needs. We are worshiping these things and expecting them to provide for us. So what are these things? Um, I think probably the first one for most of us is ourself in that we are taught by our culture to become, you know, independent adults as we get a job, as we go through college, right? We're supposed to like leave our families and kind of live in a stable way, um, provide for ourselves. This idea of independence or self-reliance is very prevalent, but it teaches us that we are the God that provides for ourselves. Um, we also often depend on other people. So it could be friends, it could be spouses, it could be family, it could be bosses. And when I say like depend, I don't mean like we can't depend on anyone for anything. It's more that we are putting all of our expectations for the good in our life and the needs of our lives on other people. We are elevating them to effectively the level of God. Maybe we don't pray to them, but we certainly expect them to provide what we need in a lot of different ways. And I think the last one is like the bigger like systems of the world and That could be the idea of like a job or a career and the expectation that if I get into the right career, that will provide for me for the rest of my life. And that will be the thing that allows me to retire. And I don't need to like worry about that because I'm in this career that's going to take care of me. Um, It could be the bigger like financial system in general that we have, our economy, and just assuming that it will be around and that we can rely on the different like functions and forms of it to take care of us. It could be as a student, school, thinking like, okay, as long as I like finish this degree, like I'm going to be okay. Uh, You know, the effect, what I get out of this school is going to provide for me. And, uh, you know, there's probably a lot more that could be listed here. I think a really big one is social media in general and technology and allowing that to be a thing that's like providing for our more like attention, emotional, relational needs, and really putting a lot of emphasis on that and um, thinking that's going to like take care of us in a way or at least let us like numb out our other needs. So what what do we do with this? Um, I think it comes down to thoughtfully and prayerfully examining our daily lives and seeing on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis Who or what do you turn to for control? Um, Who or what do you turn to for satisfaction? Where do you go or where do you look to make things right or to fix things when stuff is going wrong? And maybe when things are not going wrong, when things are going really well, who do you like praise for that or acknowledge for that or give the credit to for that? Yeah. Can I repeat them? Yeah, so um, who or what do you turn to for control? Who or what do you turn to for satisfaction? Where do you look to make things right or fix things? And then who do you give credit or praise to when things are going really well? So I think the other struggle that we have is just acknowledging God's creation as the good gift that it is, or even acknowledging that our world is still God's creation. I know sometimes when I think of God's creation, I think of Genesis and the Garden of Eden, but is this world still God's creation? Like, surely we've gotten so far off track. Does God even want to take credit for some of the things that go on in our world? But I think that he does. Um, I think he's still very involved and The reality is that this all started with what he created at the beginning. I don't think the the different detours and turns that we've made negate the fact that God started this whole thing and kicked it off and is still the creator, the one who puts life into everything, is still deeply involved with creation. 
In uh, James 1, he tells us, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So again, prayerfully examine your daily or weekly life. Look at the good things in your life and um, practice acknowledging that they are from God and giving credit to God for those things. Practice remembering that he is uh, deeply involved in that. I also want to read Deuteronomy 4, 6, 4 through 9. Um, This is something that Israel is being told, but I think is super relevant to us as well. It says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I am giving you today, that I am giving you today, are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. So I think it's, it's really important to note in this that it doesn't stop with the love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And we're actually given instructions on what to do with that. And those instructions are all around this idea of remembering. I think because God knows, like, we kind of suck at remembering in general. Um, But also, it's difficult to give credit to a God that we can't see as well as I can see, like, this column or the sun shining in through the windows. I have to train my mind and train my heart to remember that God is the one behind all of this and that he needs credit for this and that he is my God. Um, So this repeating over and over again is what the Israelites had to do. And I think we would be foolish to think that we're better than that, Um, to think that we don't need that anymore. Even with the spirit inside of us, I think we still need this practice of remembering on a constant basis that God is around, he's at work, he's doing this stuff. And I think that's also part of why in this prayer, in this line, give us today our daily bread. There's this implication here that it's not give us today our weekly bread um, or give us today our monthly bread. It's every day we have to go and ask God for this bread to receive it. Every day we have to remember that God is at work providing for us. So this, this constant repetition that God is the provider, he is doing these things. Yeah. All right, so we're going to jump into the Our Daily Bread part. Um, so we talked a little bit at the beginning. This obviously isn't bread. We're not all going to go to Ravelin after this to receive our daily bread. This means um, something different. And I think one way to figure out, like, for each of us individually, what is our daily bread It's to start with this reflection of what am I relying on daily or weekly. Um, If I can see what I'm relying on, then hopefully I can see what I'm relying on that person or thing to provide for me. And whatever it's providing, that is part of my daily bread. That's part of like the stuff that's needed for my life to continue on. In uh, Matthew 6, Jesus talks about anxiety, worrying providing, who's providing for us. So he says, um, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his life by worrying? And why would you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So I think in this, Jesus, like, he really hits a lot of the high points of the things that we do actually need on a regular basis. You know, what you eat, your physical health, your mental health, your clothing, your future, your income. And um, Jesus isn't saying that we don't need these things. He seems to understand very well that we do need them. But what he is saying is that God knows we need them and that we can trust God to provide for them, provide those things for us. So we don't need to be overly concerned or anxious about them. But he seems to also accommodate for that, knowing that we will be anxious and commanding us not to be anxious. Jesus has this whole picture of like what we need, um, acknowledges that we're going to be worried about it and we're going to need it, but we need to remember that God knows and remember that God provides for the birds and the flowers, and if he can do that, surely he can provide for us. So again, what, what do we do with this? Why do we struggle sometimes um, knowing how God is going to provide for us? I think uh, the story of the rich young ruler has something to uh, tell us here. So in Mark 10, um, Jesus is along his way, and a man runs up to him and falls on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So what I think happened here is like this young ruler has all this money, and all this money is providing for his needs. He actually doesn't need God in his life. Um, I mean, he does, but I think internally he doesn't. He doesn't understand why he would need Jesus because he, he has all his needs provided for. And I suspect even that his wealth is the reason he's able to follow the law so well. So Jesus is inviting him into a greater dependence on God by inviting him to give up the thing that he is very dependent on. So I think we have to consider, um, is Jesus inviting us to give up something so we can grow in dependence on God? Is he inviting us to intentionally um, shift the way we live or give something up so that we can allow God to better or more clearly provide for some of our needs? So just thinking about the different things that Jesus covered as he was talking about anxiety Um, in your life, what physical needs do you struggle to see God provide or struggle to acknowledge that God is providing? What mental or emotional needs do you struggle to see God provide or struggle to see him already providing? And then which relational needs do you struggle to see God provide or struggle to, to see God already providing? Can I repeat it? Yes. <laughs> so, for um, I'm just going to say it a little differently. For our mental or physical, mental, emotional, or relational needs, which of these do you struggle to see God providing now? And which of these do you struggle to acknowledge that God is already providing? Yeah. So, I want to read a psalm that I think speaks really well to this idea that God, he is around us, he knows us, he knows what's going on, and uh, we have to like acknowledge and wrestle with that and really believe that before we can 
really even get to a place where we think God can provide for these different types of needs. If I don't believe that God is near, if I don't believe that he is observant or present, then um, why would I believe that he can provide for any of this stuff? This is the beginning of Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is in my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Sometimes I read these and I'm like, why is this in the Bible? Like, it's probably obvious to the person that wrote it. Why is it, why, like, why is it here for me? And I think this is here for the same reason that we have the passage from Deuteronomy, that we need to be reminded about these things. Um, I think sometimes we might read this and be like, yes, this is affirming exactly where I'm at right now. Like, this is like right in tune with where I'm at. But I believe that for so much of the scripture and so many of the Psalms, they are written for when we do not feel this way, for when we don't believe this way, we need these reminders, we need these things that we can repeat and get inside of us so that we see this reality and believe in this reality that God is all around us, he knows what we're doing, he knows who we are, and therefore we can begin to believe that he will provide for us, that he will give us today our daily bread because he knows what that bread is that we need he, and he uh, knows how we'll get it He's got it all figured out, but until we believe that he is like deeply involved, um, deeply interested in the interworkings of our world and our lives, that's going to be like really hard to believe. All right, so we're going to spend a little time praying and listening to God in response to um, this line and these ideas. So basically, I'm going to pray through a few different prompts and then leave some silence in between. And this is going to be a time for us to reflect and listen to God who does speak. Um, if you don't know what that looks like or what that sounds like or feels like, I would encourage you to just pay attention to your thoughts in this time between these prayers and write down any thoughts that seem relevant to you and then go talk to someone about them who can help you discern what is and isn't from God. But I can assure you that God does speak to us now and will speak to you today if you're willing to listen. And even if you're willing to, believe, to admit that you do not believe he will speak, I think he will still faithfully meet you there. So let's pray. Um, Lord, we ask, we ask that you give us today our daily bread. We thank you that we can ask, that you will listen, that you will provide. Lead us into greater dependence on you each day. Lord, sometimes we need things, and we don't know how they will be provided. Help us to trust you for those things and recognize how you work to provide them.
Lord, sometimes we are overwhelmed with concern and stress about things we don't really need. Show us why we get concerned with unnecessary things and lead us to repent for not trusting you. Lord, we often don't notice the ways you are already providing for our needs. Show us how you have provided for us in the past week or month and lead us to praise you for that. Lord, you command us to love one another and therefore provide for one another. Show each of us who you are leading us to provide for. Lord, thank you for being our provider who sees and knows all of our difficulties and patiently waits and gives us what we need each day in more ways that we can see or know. Protect us from the messages of self-reliance and independence that our culture preaches. Thank you for leading us into deeper apprenticeship with Jesus. Thank you for building your kingdom among us, even when we can't see it or don't think we need it. Amen. everybody. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing with our community. And let me just remind you some of the stuff that Ryan talked about at the beginning, but just that this really does need to find its way into our practical daily lives. It just needs to find its way into how we pray. Um, There's a bunch to think about, but if we don't try to take it, take it into our time with God and what it looks like, um, then it's just our thoughts. It's just what we're thinking. It's just understanding. It's just knowledge. It's not practice. 
Um, and so just don't, don't fall into that temptation of like, wow, that was interesting. There's some things he said that like questions that I'm thinking about. Go try to pray about it. Go actually put it into your practice and your time with God this week. Thanks again, Ryan. So we've got a few announcements. Um, first is that the chairs setup team needs some help. If you want to join the chair revolution and help throw people off a little bit every single Sunday, please join in on that. So we've got Ricardo. Where Ricardo? Where are you at? He's over there. You can talk to him or Tony about joining that team and helping them get things set up. And there's a rotation, so the more people that help with that, then the more uh, we have people to be able to do it some Sundays and then have a break other Sundays. So please talk to Ricardo about joining that team, and we can have more people helping them do that. They set up the banners as well, and our banner that some of you guys probably don't even know exists that is outside the building along the street over there. So um, talk to Ricardo. It's a great way to just practically help in our church. Um, there's a lot of people who who do that stuff behind the scenes, and we're probably more slim in terms of a team of setup than most churches, I would guess. Uh, but there's still a lot of things that need to happen before you guys even arrive here on Sunday mornings. Uh, they've had to happen in order to set things up for our time to spend time together, to worship together, to hear from God together. So don't miss that. Please join in. It is rotational, which is something I said a second ago, but um, it's okay. <laughs> the more people... So here's the thing about Clarissa. She asks questions that she wants those answers to help other people. She wasn't really asking for herself because she's helping with worship. So she wants you guys to make sure you hear that it is rotational and it's not something you're committed to every single Sunday. Right, exactly. Yeah, Clarissa's like, yeah, Clarissa's like, they, they didn't hear that. They didn't hear it. Um, and then another way you can also help is with the communion team. So we've been doing for about the past three or four weeks communion with bread and juice like we used to do it, not the little pod things. And so we've had a lot of people volunteer to help uh, Claudia actually bake bread and bring that on Sundays. We have not quite as many people who've, who've volunteered to help Sterling uh, help break the bread up and put the juice into cups on Sunday mornings. So we need some people to help do that. Um, and if, so if you're wondering, what am I going to do with that extra hour that I just gained uh, this morning? Like, now my schedule is going to be so thrown off. Guess what? Come help communion. Come help set up chairs, whatever it is. Either one. Do you got options? So come do that. Um, help. You can text either of them behind me. I believe their numbers are there. You can help Sterling uh, get a team together for breaking the bread up and putting the juice into cups to prepare for our, our communion meal each Sunday morning. The next thing is this week is our prayer night, our shepherd's prayer night. So that's going to be on Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Hollingsworth's house. And our friend Devin is going to be leading that this week. And uh, yeah, Devin. Kurt and Don have been putting that together for a while, and it's a really great time. So please don't miss out on that. Just an hour of prayer and fellowship together as a church. Um, and then the next thing is that the book club, the Reading While Black book club, we've been announcing for a few weeks Technically, I believe what I heard is that it's time to start reading if you haven't already. We wanted to make sure we announced that you should start reading. And if you forgot to sign up for this and you forgot to sign up and get, be paired with somebody, um, you can still do that. It's not too late, but it's time to start reading because we're going to have about a month of time before we will actually have a meeting together to discuss the book together. But it's kind of a decentralized book club. So you'll be paired up with someone that you can, you can text with them or you can even hang out and talk about some of your thoughts about the book so far or whatever. But there'll be one big meeting at the end where we will um, talk about questions together as a group. So sign up behind me if you haven't already. And if you haven't, if you did already sign up, now is the time to just start reading if you hadn't already done that. You can talk to Troy and a few other folks, but Troy's one. If you've got some questions about how this book club happens and stuff like that, um, and me or Leslie or anybody else. So uh, and then the other thing is that the Metro Auto Ministry campaign, today is the last day to give to that. So uh, just to remind you, this is the ministry that kind of started in our church and rolled off into a little bit of its own nonprofit kind of deal to help, um, I think Chelsea's laughing at that picture of Brad, but yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, he does, Yeah. Getting down and dirty, washing the feet. Amen. So um, this, the whole goal of this is to help people who are low income, 
who car repairs or buying a new car if your car breaks down or whatever really completely throws off your stability as a family. So uh, we do an annual fundraiser to cover this this ministry for a year. It started just only within our church, but we couldn't. The needs were were large enough we couldn't continue to do it on our own. So today is the last day to give to help them last for another year. You can go to metroautoministry.org to give a, a gift. You can also set up, if you don't have a lot, you can set up a recurring gift. If you want to give just five bucks a month or something like that, that helps sustain them through the next year. It's really helpful. So please, please consider that. Today's the last day, and then we're going to close that down. And then as well, our own giving as a church, those are the kind of things that we want to prioritize, both the physical needs in our community and in our city, as well as pouring time and energy back into you to grow you as a disciple, mature you as a disciple. Those are the things that we really, really care about as a church. You can give at dentonnorthchurch.com donate. You can also give on Venmo. And now Kurt's going to come up and close us out, unless he's not going to. We're, it's, today's a shepherd's prayer day, right? Okay, sweet. Well, Kurt is a shepherd, and he's going to pray, so... It's all good. Can't ever pray too much, right? Correct? God, I just want to um, lift you up and thank you for our time together as a body. I want to thank you for Ryan and his message of just, Lord, really thinking about all the things you do for us and just remembering, Lord, that was so much uh, throughout the history of the Bible. It talks about remembering what you've done for us and help us never to forget, help us never um, to lose sight of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I just pray for the opportunities that... um, Josh just shared with us, just um, whether it be the Metro Auto Ministry or uh, the Reading Wild Black Book Club or whatever, Lord, just a lot of opportunities just to to help us focus on you and help us to focus on others. Uh, Thanks for your love and thanks for taking care of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.